0: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, December 22nd, 2023, three days before Christmas. Most of us are slowing down a bit, but we're at Judging Freedom trying to give you a, a full week and today a full day's worth. Uh, but today it's you and me. It's your questions and my answers. And if you if you care to your follow up. So we've gone through the questions that arrived before we came on air, and I've looked at them, and I'm happy to start with them, Sonia, if you want to, or Chris, if you want to pop them up there. This is from Luke J. Judges serve for life. Judges that serve for life are supposed to be impartial and not let politics sway them. However, we have left-leaning, right-leaning judges, and even a six-to-three split in the Supreme Court. Why is that? Because presidents- Appoint justices on the court who basically mirror the political or, if they're lawyers, the president's legal philosophy of the president. Donald Trump appointed uh, conservative Republicans and even one unabashed libertarian, uh, Justice uh, Neil Gorsuch. Uh, Barack Obama uh, appointed, um, you know, uh, I don't know that he appointed anybody. Bill Clinton appointed. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, and uh, Elena Kagan. You you appoint justices who have your view of the Constitution. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a Republican view or a Democrat view. It could mean it's a literalist view. Like Justice Scalia, the Constitution means literally what it says, or it's sort of a big-picture view. The Constitution doesn't mean literally what it says, it means what the value judgments that the framers embraced when they w- wrote those words had in mind. So it just depends on, on how the brain of the uh, justice works. I know it is basically six to three on the conservative side of things now, even though Justice Gorsuch uh, is a libertarian, um, uh, that's because that's the attitude of the people who uh, appointed them. Not all appointments are for life. Federal appointments are for life. Federal trial judges, federal appellate judges, obviously the U.S. Supreme Court. My appointment was for life, but there's only three states that do that. Other states appoint for a finite period or you run for office. And when your term is over, you have to run again unless you reach a, uh, a certain age <clears throat> beyond which uh, you can't serve. It's different in all states. Next one, Chris. What's the difference between lobbying and bribery? Okay, so lobbying uh, is an effort to point out to a legislator uh, why certain legislation is good or why certain legislation is bad. It does not involve a quid pro quo. You are not giving the legislator anything. The legislator, let's say a senator or a, a member of the House of Representatives, in fact, is giving you time to make your pitch. Bribery is when you give uh, the legislator something of value and they exercise, watch my hand, the levers of government power to satisfy you because you paid them to do it. But the reason I'm going like this is because the court, Supreme Court has narrowed the definition uh, of bribery so that uh, if a, a member of Congress does something and you paid them to do it, and that thing they do is outside their official job, like they help your your daughter uh, get into college, that's not a bribe. It's only when they exercise their official government power to please the person who paid them that they have engaged in a bribe. So if Senator Jones... Uh, receives a, a $500 dinner, an expensive restaurant in Manhattan. I'm just making this up. Uh, and as a result, uh, helps the person who bought him the dinner uh, get her, his daughter into Princeton. Since that's not part of Senator Jones's official job, that is not bribery. But if Senator Jones receives a, a $500 dinner in return for voting yes or no on a certain piece of legislation, to please the person who bought the dinner for him, that's bribery. Lobbying, of course, is just saying, here's why we think you should vote for this. Here's why we think you should vote against it. There's no quid pro quo. From Cam C. Will corrupt politicians and officials ever be held accountable for war crimes and crimes against humanity they are guilty of committing? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours. Uh, God bless. Merry Christmas to you as well, Cam C. I don't think so. I, I don't think that uh, Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu will be held accountable for the war crimes he's committing, and he's committing thousands of them. Uh, if you uh, if you watched uh, Professor Mearsheimer on this program yesterday, and if you watch Max uh, Blumenthal at 515 the, uh, this afternoon here, uh, you will see that the numbers are of uh, murdered. Innocents are staggering. 20,000. Palestinians uh, murdered, uh, about 16,000 of them women and children, excuse me, 14,000 women and children. Uh, the remaining 6,000, about uh, two-thirds uh, innocent males, uh, and maybe the remaining 2,000 uh, Hamas fighters. So the, the, the death and destruction, the torment, uh, the denial of uh, food, shelter, clothing, heat, medical supplies is catastrophic and overwhelming. And so there's no dispute, but that this is a war crime. The question is, will Netanyahu be prosecuted? Will Joe Biden be prosecuted for facilitating this? Will Tony Blinken be prosecuted? Lloyd Austin be prosecuted? No, 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 and no. Because uh, the American government controls the, here we go again, levers of power uh, at the courts that do these uh, prosecutions. It's usually only low-level people that you never heard of. Who are prosecuted for some sort of a war crime. And sometimes they're convicted and sometimes they're acquitted. Very sad. Patrick Jean Claude, what would a ask the judge be without you, Patrick? Judge, unelected Dems controlled Colorado Supreme Court removed President Trump from the state's ballot in the next election. Is this not the definition of dictatorship? Thanks and Merry Christmas. Uh, I read the 201 uh, page opinion. Uh, by the jurors. And it was a very, very well-written, very sophisticated uh, legal argument. I, even though I would not have ruled that way, I don't think it's the definition of, uh, of dictatorship. I think that a majority, and, and there are seven on that court. Uh, the chief justice is a Republican. There are three Democrats and three independents. All were appointed by Democratic governors. That's the system. You know, in New Jersey, we have all Democratic uh, uh, governors, but in New Jersey, a Republican jurist has to replace a Republican jurist and a Democratic jurist has to replace a Democratic jurist. So it stays uh, roughly equal. As for what Colorado did, uh, I think it's wrong because I don't think uh, that the 14th Amendment was intended to keep somebody uh, off the ballot. Uh, On the basis of hearsay, I think there should actually have to be a a criminal trial prosecuting them for insurrection. And if they're convicted, they can be kept off the ballot. There was a trial. Trump's people did not take it seriously. They sent lawyers, but Trump didn't attend. The only uh, uh, witnesses witnesses they put on were historians who testified as to what uh, an insurrection is. They should have put eyewitnesses on who said Trump was there and he didn't do this and he didn't do that. And he did this and that was good. And he did that. And that was good. They didn't do any of that. They didn't take it seriously. So the trial judge said there was an insurrection and Trump aided and abetted it. They are stuck with that finding of fact. Without a jury there, the judge acting as a jury, they're stuck with that finding of fact. The question is, is that enough to keep him off the ballot? In the opinion of four of the seven Colorado justices, yes. In my opinion, no. I'm convinced that the Supreme Court will get involved. If the Supreme Court doesn't get involved, it's curtains for the former president. Because once one state can get away with this, the, uh, many, many others will follow. But I, I think I know the minds of many members of the Supreme Court. I think they'll get involved because they'll want to set down one standard for what the 14th Amendment means and what proofs you have to come up with. Uh, before you can use the 14th Amendment to keep somebody off, uh, off the ballot. I mean, look at it this way. The president of the United States shouldn't be chosen by judges or even by uh, amendments that were intended to keep former Confederate soldiers out of the uh, Union uh, central federal government it should be decided by, uh, by voters. And I think the Supreme Court is going to come down in that direction. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's com slash Wondery. Andrew L., what is your favorite Italian dish on Christmas? Actually, my favorite Italian dish on Christmas is Christmas Eve when um, the Italians have a vigil dinner. And if you are from Southern Italy as my uh, grandparents, um, it's seven different kinds of fish, one for each of the seven sacraments. That is my favorite Italian dish on Christmas Eve. Uh, the tradition is fading away, but I will get about three different kinds of fish, uh, this, uh, Christmas Eve, which is, uh, Sunday night. Thank you for that question. <laughs> Gas station sushi. Oh. Oh. I I know you're allowed to use whatever moniker you want. I I condemn this Nikki Haley stuff. You got to say who you are. But the thought of eating sushi in a gas station just crushes, crushes my appetite. Question, judge, I believe NATO is an outdated and unnecessary entity which should have been dismantled when the Soviet Union dissolved in 1791. Who or what decides the existence of NATO? Let me say first, I agree with you. Donald Trump said he agreed with you, but he didn't follow through on withdrawing us. There are two ways that we can withdraw from a treaty. One is for the president just to say, I'm not going to honor it again. And that's wrong and it's unconstitutional, but presidents have gotten away with it. George W. Bush did that to the ABM Treaty. The ABM Treaty, Anti Ballistic Missile Treaty, was a great treaty, a great treaty. It stopped the Russians and it stopped the Americans from the arms race. Once Bush decided he didn't want to follow it, the arms race heat it up again. The other way is for a formal rescission of the treaty, and that would require a two-thirds vote of the Senate. Presidents don't do that because they don't want to take the time and the effort and and the the political uh, effort to persuade two-thirds of the Senate. Remember how a treaty comes about. President proposes, two-thirds of the Senate ratifies. It doesn't go to the House. It is a rare thing in American law that is only passed by one house, and where does it rank in American law? Equal to the Constitution. I'll say that again: equal to the Constitution. The Supreme Court has ruled that way many times because of the way Madison uh, worded the phrase. So, if Joe Biden signs a treaty and two-thirds of the Senate ratifies it, that treaty is American law, equal in force to the Constitution. Uh, Will we withdraw from NATO? I think if Trump is elected, we will withdraw from NATO. Uh, If anybody else is elected, we won't. It's a big government uh, bash the Russians club, which is outdated, expensive, unnecessary, and the Europeans can defend themselves from enemies real and imagined. Thank you for that question. Douglas Roderick, good morning or afternoon, Your Honor. My question is this. My favorite attorney is Clarence Darrow. You'll know why I'm smiling in a minute. My favorite book is Summertime for the Gods. Is that case relevant today? Okay, Summertime for the Gods is a book about uh, the monkey trial. The monkey trial, that's the com—the popular name for it, uh, was a prosecution by the state of Tennessee against a man named John Scopes. Scopes was a school schoolteacher uh, who uh, taught evolution, uh, and that was a crime in Tennessee at the time. And uh, Clarence Darrow defended Scopes and William Jennings Bryan, who had run for president of the United States, three times was brought in uh, as the prosecutor. Uh, The case was wildly uh, and maniacally followed by the media. The courtroom was so uh, oppressively hot that they moved the case to a parade stand in a public square outside the courtroom. So the famous cross-examined examination by Clarence Darrow of William Jennings Bryan took place outside. The jury could barely hear it. Well, if Bryan was the lawyer, how did he end up being a witness? Ah, he offered to be his own expert witness on the meaning of the Bible. Clarence Darrow said, be my guest. Darrow demolished him in cross-examination. I've read the transcript of the trial. A lot of us do that uh, in law school. However, the jury convicted Mr. Scopes. Uh, He didn't go to jail. He was fined $100. The reason I smiled when you mentioned Clarence Darrow is because uh, I am uh, performing in a one-man show called Clarence Darrow Tonight, and we actually had a rehearsal last night uh, at an off-Broadway show in Manhattan, which is New York City, which is why my voice is a little uh, hoarse today. Uh, The show will be at Theater 555, which is 555 West 42nd Street in New York City. It's an off-Broadway theater which under New York City ordinance means it can't have more than 199 seats. So we hope to pack the place. I'll let you know when I'm going to be doing this right now. It's tentatively scheduled for the spring, April, May, and June, if it lasts that long. If you don't know who Clarence Darrow was, he was the greatest trial lawyer in American history. He was the attorney for the damned, and he specialized in keeping people away from the hangman's noose and he almost always succeeded. Next, Chris, Grassy Knoll. Man, uh, uh, another handle that you gotta shake your head about. So Grassy Knoll, Judge, in your opinion, when was the last time we had a government that upheld the Constitution? Probably Thomas Jefferson, Uh, although I'm not so sure that the Louisiana Purchase was consistent with the Constitution, which tripled the size of, uh, of the United States. Uh, when Jefferson sent $15 uh, million in cash to Napoleon, who desperately needed to continue fighting the Napoleonic Wars. And as a result, he got everything from, um, from Ohio to Minnesota <laughs> and all the way down to Louisiana. Um, the last president that I know of uh, who vetoed legislation because it was unconstitutional and stated so uh, was Calvin Coolidge a president who actually hated the presidency and hated being uh, uh, in the White House. But if you heard the conversation I just had with Gary Barnett, you've heard me say this and I'll repeat it. You may have heard me say it uh, before. Um, formally, we still have a constitution. Basically, we still have a president, We still have a federal judiciary. We still have a Congress, We still have two houses in the Congress. The House of Representatives sits for two years. The Senate sits for six years. But functionally, we don't have a constitution anymore at all, because the purpose of the constitution was twofold, to constitute, to establish the federal government, and to restrain the federal government. So as an instrument of restraint, the constitution has failed miserably. The federal government's powers are radically out of proportion to what's written down uh, in the constitution. This takes us back to two or three questions ago, because the federal government bribes It bribes the states with bailouts, with cash. Um, We want you to lower your speed limit to 65 miles an hour, and in return, we'll give you a couple hundred million dollars to repave the highways in your state. That's the way the federal government gets the states to bow down and do whatever the feds want by giving them cash. Why didn't Congress just lower the speed limits? Because even Congress knew that it didn't have the authority to do that. So the federal government bribes the states with cash, the rich with bailouts, the middle class with tax cuts, the poor with wealth distribution, and as long as it keeps engaging in that bribery, it will stay in power. But one day, enough people will say, enough is enough. We're not listening. We're not paying attention. We're leaving the government. I hope I'm around when that happens. Next question. Vlad Freeman. Question. How does a state succeed? Ah, by bribery. By bribery is how the states uh, uh, succeed. What is the state? Lowercase s. Uh, It is that which has a monopoly of force in a given geographic area. Try and hire your own police department. Forget about it. You and they uh, will all be arrested. You will obey The government that has the monopoly on force in your area, that is, of course, the attitude uh, of the state. Government is force. The state is force. It is not logic. It is not reason. It is not morality. It is force until we recognize that and until we starve it to death so it can't pay for the force that keeps it in power. It'll keep its thumb on us. Ah, Bernadette Nespoli, a dear friend of mine who uh, uh, came to both of my uh, off-Broadway shows that I did uh, earlier this year. Judson Politano, what are your thoughts on the Rudy Giuliani situation and the bankruptcy he's facing? Bernadette, thank you very much for the question, my dear friend. Um, uh, listen, I know Rudy and I feel sorry for him. I think he spoke some untruths and I think he did defame those ladies but a he is not responsible for what other people did and the vast majority of harm to them came from what others did to them threats uh and um near assaults in uh, public b uh, whatever rudy said wasn't worth anywhere near 148 million it wasn't worth anywhere near a million so i feel sorry for rudy uh that he's in this situation where he owes more uh more than he owns Uh, He's lost his licenses to uh, practice law. He's still fighting a criminal prosecution and a half dozen other legal cases. I don't know how it's going to end up. Bankruptcy is probably uh, the only uh, solution uh, available to him. Be careful how you use words, particularly when you mention people uh, by name. Uh, Defamation cases are very difficult to win, but the plaintiffs won it uh, in this case. What Rudy said uh, was outrageous. It was beyond an opinion. But no, it didn't cost a cause anywhere near the amount of money that was uh, assessed against them. I don't know how this is going to end up. Um, I'm on WABC radio, which if you're in the New York City area, is the is the biggest talk radio uh, in the New York City metropolitan area. I think it's the biggest talk radio in the country. I'm not sure. And the show I'm on uh, called Sid and Friends is Sid Rosenberg and Sid's a very good friend of, of Donald Trump. And I have said on the show because I know President Trump listens. You know, Mr. President, Rudy did all this for you. Help him out. Pay his legal fees. Negotiate for him to get these uh, judgments down. Let the guy clear his name and let the guy get on with his life. I didn't get a response, but I don't think the president uh, is going to go for it. Okay, I think we'll do one more and then I'll rest my voice. Mark Brown. Hi, Judge. How does the U.S. administration sleep at night? after it vetoes the ending of an ongoing genocide. They are cold, calculating killers who perpetuate genocide and who refuse to stop it, and they don't have consciences, and that's how they sleep at night. Uh, Three o'clock today, one of your favorites, the Intelligence Community Roundtable, Larry Johnson and Ray McGovern. How big, how bad? where the intelligence community blunders in 2023. And 5.15 today, a new favorite, a new tentpole, meaning he push ups, pushes up uh, our ratings. Max Blumenthal, our Bibi Netanyahu, and Joe Biden on a collision course. We'll see you then. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.